Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. And uh, we're back in season now, officially here, guys. It's exciting to say week one in the books. Um, every, every team has played at this point, I think, so that we, we have plenty to talk about for today. Um, we're probably going to follow the format that we do today for most of our shows here in season. Um, so just to kind of give you guys an overview of what we have coming at you today, we have a, a week one review where we'll talk uh, a couple of games. I think we have four on the schedule here for tonight. Um, just kind of going through some of the games that had uh, some more interesting fantasy implications. We are going to do a stock up, stock down section. Uh, a little more difficult to do after week one, but we found some names that we think work. We're going to do a waiver wire section. I think that will be something highly anticipated where we just go through some players that are under 50% uh, rostered on Fantrax. Uh, some of them might be in more C2C rosters than CFF, but you know, th there's no way to separate that information out. Uh, we're going to do a segment called Real or Imagined here early in the season where we are going to talk about whether uh, players' performances uh, or kind of a mirage or not. And then we're going to wrap up the show tonight with some start sits. We each pick 10 starts and 10 sits. We're kind of going to rapid fire them. Um, we're going to keep score all season on that one. Um, loser will have to do something. That's we don't know yet. That but, is, um, I'm hearing this for the first time. It says we will compete on this throughout the year with a scoreboard. Does it? I don't read. It literally says it in the description. I don't you read. can lead a horse to water, but you know. Oh, in yeah, case, okay. We will yeah. compete on these. I skimmed it. I saw each one out of 30 seconds or less, and we were supposed to keep them secret. Yes, yes. So I missed the sentence in the middle. Yes, yes. So so that is what we're going to be doing on that. Um, a lot to get to tonight, so let's just jump in. How does that sound to you, Colin? Oh, that sounds fantastic. Let's do it. Perfect. All right, guys. Uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out their weekly Friday drops that recap the week in Fantasy Points Media Group. Whew. All right, week one review here, Colin. Let's dig into a couple of these games here. I think the first one uh, also happened first. Uh, Ohio State at Minnesota it took place on Thursday night. Um, Ohio State won the game, uh, but did not necessarily look uh, too convincing there. Uh, CJ Stroud struggled in his debut, um, even though the, the stat sheet kind of says otherwise. What did you think of his performance, Colin? Yeah, he definitely started slow. Um, it just, it, he didn't look great. Um, obviously, and, you know, you saw a lot of people commenting on that and talking about that. That was definitely the talk of the day there on Thursday. Um, I'm, I'm not overly worried about it. I mean, he had to beat out a, a host of other ta very talented players in that room. I'm not even technically counting Quinn Ewers because I don't really think Quinn Ewers was in consideration for the starting role, given how late it, he got there. But he beat out Kyle McCord, very talented quarterback. He beat out Jack Miller, who Jack Miller was a high four-star guy uh, when he came in. So that was a very talented room. C.J. Stroud rose to the top, rose, uh, played better than everybody else in practice. 
Um, I'm going to chalk this one up to kind of first game jitters, maybe, um, you know, and then the, he the, the, in a new environment where like there's now fans in the stadium. It's in uh, Minnesota, which it's not an easy place to play. Um, you know, that's th- that's a tough, um, tough place to go into there. Uh, the one thing that did really concern me um, with his game, though, is I saw Bill Connolly tweeted out on ESPN the uh, the passing map of CJ Stroud from Thursday. And um, Chris Moxley put this in the Twitter or in our Discord as well. Um, it, it, he didn't throw the ball. He, he had one pass in, in between the hashes. Um, that was it. Everything else was was very short or he took some deep shots um, or it was outside the sidelines as well. So obviously we need to see him throw over the middle of the field a little bit more. Um, I'm hoping that's not something that does continue because that will actually be a little bit concerning for me. Yeah, I mean, I think they tried to simplify that offense as much as they could early, and then they had to continue doing it because he was not playing well. Um, so I, his stat line is very misleading. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it, he went uh, tw- 13 for 22 for 294 and then four touchdowns and an interception. Um, but a lot of the touchdowns were like really long catch and runs. Like Travion Henderson caught a little screen pass took it 70 yards to the house uh, Alave had a touchdown that was like a, a 10 to 15 yard pass that he that he had a nice catch and run on um so I, I can barely chalk up any of the performance to him really um so I, I'm actually kind of a little worried about him this week against um, against Oregon we might talk about that a little bit here later um tied into his performance you know we saw a big some big stat lines from Alave and Garrett Wilson but then really nobody else involved in that passing game. You know, JSN, who I thought could be pretty involved this year, had two for 12. And he's probably working between the hashes a lot. So that that's a problem for him. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert only had one catch. Travion had one. But again, he took it 70 yards to the house. But then it was four catches for 117 and two for Alave and 580 and one for Wilson. Do we think this is basically going to be a Minnesota Vikings-esque offense where two receivers are relevant and nobody else is for fantasy purposes, at least early this year? I mean, it's definitely the way it worked out uh, this week, obviously, like you touched on there. But I think this is a bit of an extension of what I was just mentioning, where CJ Stroud didn't throw the ball over the middle of the field hardly at all. And that's kind of where JSN has been operating mostly. So if they continue to not use the middle of the field, then JSN is not going to put up very many fantasy relevant weeks. He's he's going to struggle um, to put up stats. And then at that point, yeah, definitely just a two wide receiver offense from the fantasy perspective. Uh, now I do still have hope that they'll utilize the middle of the field a little bit more as they kind of break you know, CJ Stroud in and he gets a little bit more comfortable. Um, so I, I think that for now, yes, um, we'll say it's a two wide receiver offense, but uh, I, I do think JSN is going to have some fantasy relevant weeks moving forward. I think they'll use him more. Yeah, I think early in the year, I'm I'm only starting those two. I started JSN in one or two spots last week. I thought he would be kind of Stroud's best friend, you know, short over the middle type stuff. But but um, I think he's on my bench for further notice. And, and yeah, I, I'm really not going to bank on anybody else there. I already wasn't banking on Ruckert. 
it was really the third wide receiver that I thought could happen. And, and, and at least, you know, for the next few weeks here, probably avoiding what do we do with their backfield Colin? you know, real quickly here, <laughs> Mayan Williams had nine for one twenty-five and one. He had a, you know, like a 70 ish yard touchdown run in the first quarter. I believe master T got in there with six carries, but was largely ineffective. Uh, Crowley was there. Another six carries. Travion had two carries. I mean, they really divvied up these carries pretty evenly. Um, are you starting Mayan Williams in leagues where you have him? No, um, I, I still don't think I'm going to start him. I don't feel comfortable in that backfield split yet. Um, yes, he had that huge touchdown run, um, which I mean, that's awesome. You know, if you started him, congrats, because you were very much against the grain on that front. But he had nine carries. Teague had six. Crowley had six. Henderson uh, only had two, but he's going Henderson's going to get more involved moving forward as well. I don't feel confident in that backfield split at this point. So I am not going to start Mayan Williams. Um, I, I don't think you can bank on a 71 yard touchdown run every week. And Teague, I think is a total fade at this point. If you had Teague and I saw him go fairly early uh, through a decent amount of the off season in CFF drafts, especially, um, but, but also, you know, in C2C drafts, cause I think he was a noticeable name, uh, total fade for me. I don't even want to roster him. I he, roster clogger, literally the definition. If you look it up in the dictionary, it's just a picture of him there. Um, Travion and Mayan, probably the only two that I want to 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 have on rosters, but I probably again probably don't want to start any of them right now. Minnesota, the big news there. Mo Ibrahim had himself an amazing game and then went down late uh, with uh, likely an Achilles tear. They they haven't disclosed, but they said he's out for the season uh, with a lower leg injury. Um, do we just slot Trace on pots in there? Or does this become a committee? I think this becomes a committee. Um, now we have heard from from our gophers on the ground, uh, Kane and Carl. Both have um, tended to lean towards Potts as well there, and he did. Potts did get the bulk of the carries then afterwards. Um, but I, I just I feel like they'll probably just kind of spread it out a little bit more. They have a couple options there. Um, Cam Wiley. Kai Thomas is there as well. Um, but if Trayson Potts does kind of step forward and, and really seize that job, then maybe. But I think for now, I, th I think we're probably going to see more of a split um, backfield there. I don't I don't think we're going to see 30 carries from Trayson Potts every week. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, we talked a little bit about this mostly in our, in our, um, you know, this, the site Slack, Chris Moxley and I had a conversation today where Potts just does not look like he thrives in a power scheme like Ibrahim does. You know, Ibrahim is very much, you know, they, that offensive line, big bunch of big bruisers just, you know, pushes forward and, and he works between the tackles extremely well. Uh, Potts looked like he wanted to bounce a lot of stuff the other night when I was watching. So, uh, good in the passing game. We'll see exactly how that offense adapts without him. Uh, not not sure what it's going to look like. Possibly some increased pass volume, which I think would make me feel better about uh, Dylan Wright, who had a couple. He had a nice game, had a touchdown, about 60 yards. Uh, almost had another touchdown as well. I think there was a pass interference call uh, that, that he earned. Um, uh, you know, Chris Ottman Bell might come back there. Um, and, and uh, Daniel Jackson as well. So so maybe those guys get leaned on a little more here. I don't know. Uh, 30 seconds or less, Colin. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think Dylan Wright was obviously a, a pleasant surprise there moving forward. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, but they, they'll have to throw the ball a little bit more, I think. Uh, now, in the Big Ten, uh, you know, the, the offenses aren't as high-flying and as explosive. So, 
you know, maybe we don't see a huge uptick in volume, but there should there should be an uptick in passing volume overall. Um, second game here on the docket, UNC at Virginia Tech, a, a solid upset there as UNC goes down at Virginia Tech to open the year. Um, Sam Howe had a pretty disappointing performance there overall. Um, you know, we talked all offseason that for for that team to to do what people thought they could, he really needed to kind of carry them, especially early in the year where they blooded in a lot of new um, skill position guys there. Howe went 17 for 32 for 208, one touchdown and three interceptions. Made some really questionable decisions as that game uh, unfolded. Um, it's one game. We're not overreacting, but are you worried at all that this is a sign of things to come for this season for him? Um, I am more worried about that offensive line. They did not look very good. Um, Hal was, was constantly under pressure. Um, you know, he, he, there was one stretch where he got sacked on like three plays in a row. Um, so if that offensive line can't figure it out, then I'm a little bit worried. Uh, but honestly, Virginia tech just had a really good game plan going into that one. Uh, they slowed the game down. They kind of tried to control the clock and they succeeded in that one. So, I, I don't know if everybody's going to be able to do that against North Carolina. I, we'll see. Uh, I still think North Carolina is a very good team. So I am cautiously optimistic on how still moving forward um, in terms of a CFF um, a, a, you know, perspective and being a starter on a weekly basis. You know, I don't think Virginia Tech has, um, you know, some garbage defense that they should have, you know, just blown the doors off of. But I don't think they're, you know, some amazing defense. They're going to play some very similar level defenses as the season goes on. I think we should be worried. And I, I again, I'm not sure that it's a howl issue. The offensive line did not look particularly great. was not giving them a lot of time. And just, you know, the weapons there aren't very good. You know, last year, if if things were going poorly, you could give the ball to Michael Carter or it's Javante Williams or, or, you know, in the passing game, if you had to, you know, needed a really big play click for Diami or Daz Newsome, obviously all those guys gone. Um, Chandler, Ty Chandler looked okay, but he really, he's not a guy that creates, he takes what's there and that's it. Uh, you know, DJ Jones looked solid, uh, but he went out with an injury. I, he's not even on the depth chart that they just released. So I'm wondering if he's going to be out for, for any time. Uh, Caleb Hood got in the game a little bit. He's listed now as the RB2. So we'll see if he gets, you know, an uptick in, in volume there over the next couple of weeks. Um, and then, you know, Downs was getting open, but every, you know, three, everybody else in that team, three receptions, two, one, one, two, like nobody else really stood out. Somebody has to give Josh Downs some help who went, Eight for one twenty-three and one. Yeah, I and I don't know if Coffrey Brown's going to be that guy. You know, when he comes back, because um, he he didn't play in this one. I don't know if he'll be the guy to, to help him out. You got to have hope at this point because nobody else showed anything there. Um, I know they brought in a couple uh, freshmen this year. They brought in with Gavin Blackwell um, and JJ Jones. Maybe those guys can start to emerge because somebody has to. It can't just be the Josh Downs show. For for Josh Downs' sake, though, I mean, this is great for his fantasy value. I, right. I can't I can't imagine a scenario in which I don't start him this year. I think he's a must start um, virtually all season as as long as he's healthy and as long as Hal's healthy because they they seem to be on the same wavelength. And to be honest, I think they're just going to keep trying to get him the ball. Um, yeah, if yeah. they're smart, if they're yeah. smart, they will. Yeah. Um, on Virginia Tech side, I don't think a lot's that exciting. You know. 
Tavion Robinson's a, a solid analytical prospect. Trey Turner uh, might be as well, but neither, you know, had overwhelming games. Braxton Burmeister, their quarterback, might be a startable option weekly. Um, you know, we talked about him in, during our ACC preview. Uh, he had himself a, a solid day there, um, threw for 169 yards and a touchdown, but he also ran for 942 and one. Uh, you know, so I think he's an intriguing dual threat guy there. Um, and I'd be looking to add him if he's available in, in any of your leagues. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, also, I would be, I don't imagine he's hes probably not available. James Mitchell, tight end there, but, uh, you know, he had a nice a nice game as well. Three for 36 and a touchdown uh, in a game where they only threw the ball 19 times. And they only had 12 total completions. For him to get three of those and, and have that lone touchdown, thats I think that's significant. I think he'll be a good part of that passing offense moving forward. Um, so you may be able to get some startable weeks out of him. So if he is available, uh, he's a guy that I'd go probably go pick up as well. Yep. Yep. All right. Miami, Alabama. Um, we talked, uh, especially on the tailgate about this and, you know, the, the, the spread was 19. And I was like, what are we doing here? Like Bama is going to going to crush them. They're going to win by 30. They won by <laughs> 31. They, you know, Bama in these opening season showcase games under under Nick Saban has has won by an average score of right around 30 points. Uh, and Miami just isn't a very good team. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I want to talk Alabama first. Um, Bryce Young, whatever small worries we had about him are all gone now, right? 27 for 38 for 344 and four touchdowns. Most passing yards uh, and a player starting debut there in Alabama history. That's a solid that's a solid uh, uh, record to hold there, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he showed exactly what we thought he was going to be um, you know, when he was coming out last year. Uh, you know, and you have some people I've seen on there, you know, oh, Mac Jones was able to hold off, uh, was able to start over Bryce Young. And if Bryce Young looked this good, what does that tell us about um, Mac Jones? I think that's a, a Michael Scott. I captivated the guy who captivated a thousand guys situation here. Um I don't necessarily know how accurate, how accurate that is. I think Bryce Young, as a freshman last year, um, you know, it would have been surprising for see him start. Uh, and Mac Jones was definitely competent. You know, he distributed the ball. He did exactly what you needed to do. But I think Bryce Young just gives them a whole other dimension to this offense. I think he's extremely talented. Um, looking for a big year from him. And like you guys touched on on Coast to Coast when you wrapped up the game, um, he didn't even – use his receipt his rushing threat in this one you know he's he's got wheels and we didn't need to see that at all but that could be something we see moving forward a little bit you're muted yeah <laughs> under pressure he was pretty unbelievable um you know completed a very high percentage of his passes um and yeah didn't did not force anything you know uh, bail out of the pocket too early i mean he just looked in control you know, I think the comp for him has always kind of been Russell Wilson. Like he runs when he has to, mm -hmm. and he's damn good at it when he has to, but it's not the first instinct for him. I don't think it was in high school either. And it looked like maybe that's going to continue on at Bama, um, which should be a scary thing. Um, they, they were the best team this weekend oh, yeah. by a lot. Like they're the number one team in the country. I guess that shouldn't be a surprise, but I saw a lot of people saying, you know, they have to replace so much from last year that, that how could they be that great? It's Nick Saban, guys. Stop doubting him, please. Just <laughs> it, it's it's you're it's a losing bet every single time. Um, 
one of the beneficiaries of Bryce Young's big day, Jamison Williams. We talked, we did talk about him on coast to coast as well. Um, four catches. So he didn't lead in receptions or targets or anything, but he had 126 yards and a touchdown and a lot of it on the back of that 94 yard touchdown catch. Um, how, like, I, I'll ask you a couple questions here, Colin. First, is he a startable weekly fantasy option in that offense? I think it depends on what your team looks like overall. If I had to start him as one of my flexes, I wouldn't love it, but I also wouldn't hate it either. It's one of those ones where I would be like, all right, you know, I have to hope for this, you know, 94 yard touchdown run uh, or touch catch and run. Um, so I think that he could be, but I'm still not confident in that. Second question for you then, um, you know, beyond his, his immediate fantasy value, how much, do, how much do you think he can help his draft stock this year? Because this is C2C. I mean, we care about the draft prospects at least a little bit. Yeah, I think he can help his draft stock tremendously. I think, you know, uh, if he has a couple games, you know, this year, like, you know, three, four, five games this year with that exact stat line, you know, coming from Bama, um, he was at Ohio State. So, you know, it's very easy to say, oh, well, he wasn't able to break onto the field at Ohio State, but it's Ohio State. Look at those receivers. It's There's a built-in narrative there, a built-in excuse. Um, and I think the NFL is going to, they're going to like him. He's going to blow up the combine. Uh, you know, he's going to crush on the 40. So, yeah, I, I think he's he's looking at day two draft capital right now. Day two is still probably too rich for me, but I know teams fall in love with speed, so I can't knock you too much for having and, that yeah. opinion. And from um, Bama. I, yeah. I, I don't personally have him there yet as a skill set. Um, I'm going to have to see. I'm going to have to go back and, and watch this season over again before I think I'd be ready to move him into day two draft capital. Um, or I'll have I don't think he could do anything this year to make me move him there. Cause I don't think he's capable of filling in the, like he is purely a deep threat guy. And those guys are, you know, a dime a dozen, you know, maybe he's slightly faster, uh, you know, than some of those guys or whatever, but you know, I, those, I, I, I think you can find a lot of those guys virtually anywhere. So I don't think he can touch day two for me this year, no matter what, what he does really. Um, Interesting. The running back situation there, I think, is also something to touch on uh, very briefly here. Uh, like Ohio State, they really divvied up those those rush attempts. Brian Robinson got the start, 12 for 60. Trey Sanders, I was a little surprised to see him get get as much run as he did. He went for 841 and a touch. Uh, McClellan went 9 for 36. Roydell Williams went 6 for 18. I mean, they, they split those carries yeah, pretty freaking evenly. <laughs> I thought they would pivot to the rush game early in this game. And I actually thought that Robinson and possibly McClellan could have themselves nice days. Neither really did. Um, you know, they play Mercer this weekend. So, you know, maybe I just was a week too yeah. early on that. But, um, you know, it, this is going to persist all season, isn't it? It's going to be yeah. annoying. Yeah, I think this is this is what we're going to see all year. Um, I thought it was going to be the Brian Robinson, Jason McClellan show. I didn't really think Sanders and Roydo Williams would get in there that much. But I mean, like we touched on with the, um, you know, the, the SEC show, I think it was that one. Um, we, you know, they had a four way or at the uh, at that position at the top of the depth chart. 
And it's looking like that actually may be a real thing, uh, which is really unfortunate for all of their fantasy values. Um, unless one guy like really breaks out, it's going to be tough to trust starting one of them a week in or week out. Yeah, I, I think, you know, like I said, against Mercer this week, uh, depending on if I have some tough options, uh, maybe I could see myself starting Robinson or honestly, maybe like a McClellan or somebody because they're there. I think they might keep them in slightly longer. Uh, but who's to say Miami? I think there's only really one question here for me on this front. Um, do we want anything on Miami short term? As in, I, I am a win now college roster. Is there anything on this Miami team that's interesting beyond De'Ara King? Keeping in mind that Alabama is the toughest team they'll play all year. Right. So that, 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 I think we cannot lose sight of that. Right. I think that's also important to know, too. The, Alabama is Alabama. And they, you know, everybody was talking about their offense this year and how much they had to replace. But we knew their defense was going to be very, very good. Um, so it's hard to take too much away from this game from Miami's perspective offensively um we kind of i kind of figured they were going to struggle um i think yeah will mallory is still an intriguing option for me um and from a cff perspective you know he only saw he only had two catches for 12 yards but i mean that they only had 178 yards passing total um so i'll be that's that's a guy i'll be monitoring moving forward he's a guy i'm at least interested in yeah uh, we've talked a lot about on the show. The King just, King just ruins everything's value around him. You know, Solo, probably a really nice guy to have on your team, but, um, you know, he doesn't pass efficiently enough to really make anybody super intriguing there. And then he takes away, you know, rushes from, from the backs. So um, I can't wait for him to graduate. Georgia Clemson, the big game of the week, 3v5. Um, I guess it lived up from the for the uh, the billing in terms of it was a competitive game, but it was certainly not uh, fun to watch. Uh, Georgia ended up winning ten to three, um, which surprised me a little bit. I thought Clemson would win this game with with some of the injury issues that Georgia's had. Um, George, I have some. Let's start with Georgia here, and I have some questions for you, Colin, on Georgia. Um, freshman tight end Brock Bowers led the team in targets. Is that concerning? <laughs> um if it's if it happens next week then yes uh, that would be concerning um like you touched on they have a lot of injuries at the wide receiver position they're guys that had been in and out of fall camp and spring practices um you know most of them played there tonight burton got or um that night burton got in there he got a little bit of run um you know rosemary jackson came back too he got a little bit so it was nice to see them out there, but Clemson has a really good defense as well. Um, you know, and they have some good corners. Andrew Booth Jr. is uh, a guy who's looking like he's going to be a, a high-end draft prospect. So uh, it's it's a little bit concerning, but I I still believe in those wide receivers and, and that passing offense. So we'll see how it goes uh, next week. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like he had a huge day. He had like six for 40. I mean, right. it just uh, it was a very pathetic passing offense on both sides of the ball. Um, another another team here, you know, seems to be a theme uh, early in this college football season. The running back touches, uh, you know, kind, kind of divvied up there. Uh, for Georgia, Zamir White did get the majority. He had 13 for 74, and he looked pretty solid. 
Beyond him, Kendall Milton had six for 27. James Cook, five for 19. Kenny McIntosh had three for five. Um, so, so another team that, I I, I mean, I, I think, do you, you tell me what to do here, Colin. I, I don't know. Tell me what to do. I think Zamir White, you can probably trust him moving forward, but the rest of the guys, uh, I don't, I don't know. Um, we like Kendall Milton from a, you know, pro prospect potential, uh, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to trust him week in and week out. James Cook, uh, he's going to get some receiving work. You know, he had four catches and it only amounted to seven yards, but he was the second leading receiver in terms of receptions. So, you know, if you're in a real pinch, maybe you could hope James Cook gets, you know, four catches and turns that into, you know, 30 yards instead of seven. But beyond that, it's it's going to be really tough to start anybody other than Samir White. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's going to depend on opponent. I think, you know, Clemson has a really good defensive line. I figure I, I probably wouldn't have started any of their running backs. I, I, one of my sits in the pregame thing was just the entire Georgia passing attack. And really, I should have just said the entire Georgia offense. I, I, I didn't think they'd have you know a strong day. Uh, thought it would be better than it was, but but apparently not. Um, do we expect, you know, this offense looked very stale, though. Do we think that that's mostly a product of how good Clemson's defense was? Yeah, I think that this I think that when um, Georgia got the got the lead there um, off of that pick six, I think they just turned it into a let's make Clemson beat us because we didn't see anything from DJU or the rest of that Clemson offense that would lead you to believe that they would be able to you know, re overcome how good Georgia's defense is. So I think that once they got that lead, they Georgia just kind of sat back and is like, all right, let's let's make this vanilla. Let's let's slow this game down. I don't know if that's something we'll see every week moving forward, because uh, Clemson is probably the best defense that they're going to play until you get to the SEC championship game. If they make it there, Um because Clemson has a, a really, really good defense as well, like you touched on with that defensive line. So I I am still cautiously optimistic uh, on this Georgia passing offense. Um, you know, if you checked out the uh, awards previews from our writers here, uh, JT Daniels was my pick to win the Heisman, and Jermaine Burton was my pick to win the Bolitnikoff, because I think that they're going to have a big year this year uh, on that passing offense. So you, I, I you think... You did what? You did what? <laughs> did you not read that? No, I I glossed over your section because I figured it wasn't good. But that's <laughs> no, I did not. I did not see that you had put JT Daniels this year. That that's um yeah questionable. <laughs> I think that this award, unless there's like some breakout performances from other positions, it's typically a quarterback award, and it's typically a, an award won by a um, team that's in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think that if you're looking to play it safe, like those are the guys that you bet on Spencer Rattlers, CJ Strouds, DJ Hughes, Bryce Young's JT Daniels. Um, and I think this Georgia team is going to be really good. Uh, I, I picked Georgia money line. Like I, I thought Georgia was going to win this game. I felt pretty confident in that. Uh, and I think Georgia's going to have a really good year this year. I'm, I'm hoping that their offense, you know, gets a little bit more, 
they open it up a little bit more like they did sort of at the end of the year last year with JT Daniels. Um, I, I think that this is, like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm high on this offense. All right, let's move into Clemson here. DJU looked bad. I think that's just, you know, a fact. Nine for, 19 for 37 for an interception. Uh, no touchdowns, uh, 100, 178 yards. Um, I, I thought Clemson's offense was the one of the most boring vanilla offenses that I've, I've watched in a very long time. It was a very poorly called game. Um, we're not doing, I mean, we're not doing anything with DJ though, right? I mean, he's, he's still, you know, a, a great prospect. Yeah. I'm, I'm not overly worried about DJU here. Um, Clemson's defensive front seven is, is so good. Their defensive line, like you talked about Clemson's and Georgia's is the same way. Uh, you know, these are probably two of the three best defensive lines out there. So they were able to just constantly get after DJU. He was in in trouble. He got sacked a lot. Clemson's offensive line did him no favors. Um, and like you said, it was just a very vanilla offense. They it, it just it looked did not look good. I still think that DJU though is the type of prospect who he's going to bounce back. You know, we're going to see what we saw in those little flashes last year. The running game also struggled. <laughs> They only tried. They only had nine carries. I mean, it wasn't working. But man, shit, you got to do something different. Um, you know, uh, and not including DJU's carries. You know, they had they had nine carries for twenty four yards. Uh, Dixon got one. Shipley got four. Pace got four. Um, I don't think we can take anything away from this game on that perspective. No receivers stepped up either. Colin. I mean, I, I, Nada had himself a decent day. He had six yeah. for one ten. Um, but you know, Ross was underwhelming. Galloway underwhelming. Shh. They didn't use Shipley like they probably should have. I mean, EJ Williams is now out for a few weeks with a hand injury. What are we doing here? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely inter- intriguing with Nada here. You know, we kind of heard some buzz this spring and into the fall a little bit. And, you know, we're like, ah, oh, we've heard this story before. But it looks like maybe this will maybe this will pan out here this time. So, you know, six for 110 um, against this defense. That's something to sneeze at. So. Definitely something to monitor there, but everybody else, yeah, like you said, nobody stepped up. Nobody was really helping him. Maybe Justin Ross needs a, a game or two to really shake off the rust. Um, so we'll see. Like I said, still optimistic on this this offense though as a whole. So I'm not moving anybody too much, but Nada might get a bump up. All right, so let's go into this stock up, stock down. Uh, speaking of you know moving some guys around here, you know it's week one. I don't really believe I'm moving guys after one week based on performance, maybe based on situation. You know, mm-hmm. if a guy, you know, just comes out and, and commands more of a target share or, or something like that than we thought he would, that that's that can sometimes be grounds to do this. Um, so we each pick two names here, Colin. Um, let's try to keep these short and sweet. Uh, stock up number one for you is a certain uh, player on Texas. Yeah, it's uh, it's a player on Texas. It's a guy that I've mentioned a couple times here, you know, um, as as a guy that might have a, a really nice year this year. And it's not the guy you're expecting. Uh, it's Jordan Whittington. Um, you know, we we heard buzz early on in the spring that Jordan Whittington was was stepping up and he was looking like um, the veteran in the room that he is, and he was looking like he was going to have a nice role this year. Um, fast forward to this game, he puts up seven for 113 and a touchdown. You know, he he puts up the, a really nice day. Um, the only other, Josh Moore had three catches out of the receivers. Um, Xavier Worthy had one, um, but not a whole lot of other production out of the receivers. 
outside of Whittington. And if that's something that continues, you know, Whittington's a guy who's going to be able to start for you each week. And health has always been the biggest concern with him. So that's something we still have to consider. But talent was never really the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they, they hyped him up so much in the spring that I thought that really the only question for him was going to be if can he stay healthy, and if he does, then, um, whew, I think he's going to, you know, be be in contention for a, a, a league winner type type role there. Um, my my first guy here is Corey Rucker, who had that huge bowl game last year, and we said, you know, well, you know, freshman year could just be one game. Let's not get too hyped about it. They have Jeff Foreman, who might be the guy. They have some other players there. Um, and then Corey Rucker basically just went out and stuck both middle fingers way up at all the people <laughs> saying that this weekend. Um, <laughs> nine for 138 and three. So the dude has seven touchdowns and like 300 and something yards or 400 and something yards in his last two games. Just going off. Um, had a really good connection with Lane Hatcher, who for some reason did not start, but... The team suck, like struggled, and then Hatcher came in and went 12 for 12 for 150 and four. Like I don't know why Hatcher didn't start in the first place. Um, he must just suck in practice because he they did the same <laughs> thing with him last year. I, I, I really don't know. Uh, but Rucker, you know, he's got nice size. He's six foot. He's, he's listed at over 200 pounds. Um, I, I'll need to go back and actually sit down and watch Arkansas State. You know, I didn't, I didn't sit down and watch them last year. I just was aware of the situation. Um, so then coming into this year now, all of a sudden seeing two stat lines like that, I think, um, is really catching my attention. Um, I would not trade him. If I have him, I would be looking to acquire him if I don't. So I think at the minimum, uh, he's just going to tear college football, a new one here over the next couple of years, uh, and could be, uh, you know, a third or fourth round draft pick or something, right? You know, slightly higher than that. I mean, just. You don't know with some of these these G5 guys. Um, second stock up, Colin, who is it? Uh, second stock up for me is a guy that we've been talking about a little bit this offseason as well, as a guy who's um, slowly risen. But uh, that's Tyler Beatty uh, running back there from Missouri. Um, just had an absolutely monster day. Um, 25 carries, 204 yards rushing and a touchdown. Um, four catches, 44 yards, another touchdown. Uh, just he was the focal point of that offense. You know, he had a fantastic day. Now it's against Central Michigan, um, so it's not the the best team that they're going to face all year. But um, I think that he's still going to be able to have really nice performances all year for you. You're going to get a lot of production out of him, similar to what you got from Larry Roundtree last year. Uh, but Beatty also brings a lot uh, more in the receiving game. So. Uh, it was nice to see him get four catches there as well. Uh, I think that this is a guy that we were probably all too low on for a little too long. Yeah, I mean, we talked him up on the show a lot and and had himself a nice day there. If he can stay healthy, you know, he's over 200 pounds now, right around 205. That That's a back that could be intriguing moving forward at the very least, um, you know, this year for, for college purposes. Uh, my second guy here is not an offensive player. It's actually a defensive <laughs> player. Um, and I think he should have already been on your radar, but he was listed as the the second uh, linebacker there at his position on their original depth chart this year, Justin Flo at Oregon. Very highly rated recruit last year. I believe he was a five-star. Um, I am certainly not an expert at, at watching defensive players, um, 
I liked so much the two minutes that I watched of him last year that I uh, spent a shit ton of money <laughs> in a freshman auction that I did in an IDP league to get him. Um, had the knee injury last year, uh, so he missed the shortened season. Yesterday, or well, I guess today's Monday, so two days ago, he was amazing. He was around the ball pretty much every single play. Looked it, it just as physical and, and and just as fast and explosive and, and mean as he did in high school. Finished the day with five solo tackles, nine assisted tackles, uh, a tackle for a loss. He forced a fumble. He got me 25 points. Uh, <laughs> I did not start him. I, I was unsure in my one IDP league. I will not be making that mistake again. Uh, that, that dude will be in my lineup there uh, from now on. Um, just looked like the total package. So I think, you know, he he silenced the doubters that said, uh, you know, uh, Sewell is the better player. Uh, no, no, he is not. Um, so, you know, go get Justin Flo before he continues to do this. Yeah, I, I'm i not much of an IDP expert either, but, um, you know, he I knew he, I liked what I saw out of him as well. But you you're in the IDP leagues with me and you take him. You took him pretty early because you're really high on him. So I don't have him anywhere, but he is a guy I like as well. Yeah, he um, yeah, I went back. So I watched that game sort of out of the corner of my eye live and it was happening. I went back to watch it again to watch the Fresno guys, actually, and Anthony Brown a little bit. I wanted to see how he played surprisingly well, actually. Um, but just, the flow just jumped off the screen. I, cu <laughs> I couldn't stop. So I, I had to talk about him here. All right. Some stock down guys. Uh, again, tough to give these guys stock downs on one game. This is not necessarily what we're doing. I think this is almost more of a a watch list. Uh, you know, a, a be careful, proceed with caution. Colin, who is your first stock down? Yeah, so I, I like the way you phrase that. There, it's it's tough to come up with um, guys to, that stock down after just one game. Um, so I, I had a hard time with this, but. A guy who is a pretty obvious stock down there is, is Michael Penix Jr. Um, he just had an absolutely abysmal day against Iowa. And Iowa's a very good team. Uh, Iowa has a nice defense as well. Michael Penix Jr. is coming back off of an injury. Uh, but he had three picks. He just did not look very good there at all. He definitely looked rusty. 14 of 31, 156 yards. Um, just not... Not the type of performance that we've come to expect from Michael Penix. Um, so he's a guy that um, I won't be starting uh, on my on my college team if I have him anytime soon. Uh, we'll need to see how he rebounds from this and if he can shake that off. Yeah, I mentioned on um, the tailgate, again, if you guys are not watching that show, 10 a, I'm on the 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. portion Saturday mornings. Uh, Colin will be most weeks as well. Um, that I was fading running quarterbacks that got injured late last year. And that includes Penix. That included the Eric King shocker. Both had terrible days. Granted, they both played tough defenses, but um, you know, uh, guys that, you know, rely on their legs to at least be a part of their game. I think that's a difficult injury to come back from. Um, and, and yeah, he looked, he looked lost. Um, Eric gray is a, 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 a proceed with caution here for me. I have no idea what happened there. He he just did not was not on the field very much. They and they lined him up in the slot a little bit, which you think would be cool, but it really wasn't because um, <laughs> they weren't throwing it to him. Um, you know, they they split the touches. Kennedy Brooks had 14 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown. Eric Gray had nine for 27. 
It really was uninspiring. They, it, they in critical moments of that game, because it was closer than we all thought it would be, uh, they, they went to Brooks. They went to Caleb Williams on the goal line once. I mean, just basically the worst possible scenario in a game where they probably, you thought you would have thought Eric Gray would have shown a, a high-scoring game in which they were not behind so they could afford to run the ball quite a bit. Um, so I, I'm just, you know, I, I bumped gray. I, I tweeted out today, for instance, that I, that I have Kyron Williams graded higher than Eric gray, although they're very similar players and they're not that far apart, but I have gray ranked slightly higher. Cause I thought gray in that offense was just going to be a, a huge play here over the next year. And then he'd go to the NFL. If this is what we're going to expect out of him, then, then man, I mean, I, he's going to drop, drop, drop for me. Cause I don't, I don't see a big NFL future there either. Um, so I, I, I'm seriously considering if, if you have Eric Gray, I would really look into, to selling him. I, I really, really would. Yeah. I, I thought he was going to have a big role, uh, in that offense. Um, I was more interested in him for a, a college perspective this year. I thought he was going to have a big year. So that's definitely concerning for me as well. Who's your second guy here, Colin? Uh, my second guy here is a guy that I've been lower on than, than most, um, across, you know, all off season here. Uh, and that's running back for Penn state, Kevon Lee, uh, Noah Kane, um, came back, you know, he missed pretty much all of last year, except for three carries. Um, he had eight carries in this one, 48 yards and a touchdown in what was just an, a tough game to watch um, from a, a football lovers perspective. It was a tough game to watch from a Penn state fan perspective, uh, big W that was huge. But Kevon Lee had three carries for negative four yards. He just could not get anything going. Now granted Wisconsin does have a very good defense, but Noah Kane still, still managed to look pretty good at times. Um, and Lee just, he did not, he only had three carries. Um, you know, Devin Ford got a carry then, then there too, at the end of the game. Wouldn't surprise me if we start seeing Ford and Keziah Holmes um, a little bit more and a little bit less of Kevon Lee, but I still think it's going to be the Noah Kane show. Like I've been saying like pretty much all off season. Yeah. Shocker that we called that one. Um, you know, <laughs> one guy that's a huge Penn state fan and the other that loathes them enough to look up their stuff. Um, so, so really not shocking. Kevon Lee is nothing special as a running back in the first place. Um, so, um, yes, yes. Big win there for Penn state this weekend. I put Jalen Berger as my stock down. Um, because I have, I have said on the show many times, you know, I am skeptical of his, his, uh, NFL prospects. I don't think he's an early pick, uh, by any means, um, and uh, so if you're drafting him where he was going, you're really banking on him being a, getting that Wisconsin RB bump and he was active, but didn't play at all. Um, and Ches Malusi looked fine, um, in, in his absence against probably one of the tougher defenses they'll play all year. Um, so if Berger's not going to be scoring me points, then really he's just going to be rotting on you know, roster clogger the theme of the night roster clogger. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that it should be concerning. I think, you know, they're resting him until he's healthy. He's been dinged up. I get that. But I mean, if everybody else looks really good while he's gone, I mean, it's, it's hard to make the case that he should just step back in and get a 70% market share of the backfield. I, I don't know that he does that, uh, barring somebody else's injury this year. So I, I think the burger situation is one to monitor. Um, and I am not, 
feeling great about him for this season. Yeah, I'm with you there too. Um, Ches Malusi got 31 carries in this game. They they just fed him the ball, um, even when it wasn't working at times, which that's fine. Keep doing that. Um, but yeah, no, they they're they're gonna feed the running back. Uh, if it's if it and if Ches Malusi doesn't do anything to lose the job, it's hard to give it back to Berger. Exactly. Um, and Wisconsin's a conservative coaching staff, so I do not think they will. All right, Colin, let's hop into our waiver wire segment here. This is not an exhaustive list, guys. Um, Felix wrote our our um, our waiver wire article this week. You know, we're recording this here Monday night, 9-6. It should be out tomorrow, 9-7, uh, and time for everybody's waivers uh, to be going here. But we're going to talk about some names, um, just some, some ones. And again, these were under 50% rostered on fan tracks, but there is no way for us to separate out what is just a CFF league and what is a C2C league. So some of these guys, for instance, I think are probably rostered higher in C2C than they would be in CFF just by the nature of how deep the rosters are. Um, but I think, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about some of them. So here we go. Um, the first name on the list here is Kenneth Walker the third, the running back from Michigan State, who is rostered uh, as of this morning 28% on fan tracks. Um, this week, Walker went 23 carries, 264 yards, four touchdowns against uh, Northwestern. Uh, looks to be the guy there. He's a pretty good athlete for the position. Um, you know, I'm not sure he'd be any more than a day two NFL draft pick. Should he get to that point in his career, but, uh, look to be the guy there at Michigan state and an offense that probably will rely on the running game a little more than, than maybe Michigan state has, uh, in recent years. Uh, Colin, do you agree that Kenneth Walker, uh, is probably the big, uh, pickup of the week there? Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, he, I wasn't hundred percent sure how that backfield was going to shake out this year. Cause they have a couple other guys there that are interesting. Um, they have, um, Collins, uh, Elijah Collins, uh, who looks pretty good there too, but Kenneth Walker got the bulk of the carries, you know, he was a bell cow in that offense. And if they keep using him like that, um, yeah, big, big stock up for him. Uh, he's definitely a guy that he would be my top waiver ad right now for sure um yes and again you know he he's probably rostered higher in in c2c leagues than than um uh, than maybe cff but but we should put on here one guy that probably is not really rostered in either is a quandary right who we highlighted a little bit in when we talked about south carolina in our sec preview uh two percent rostered on fan track so and i think he is available in the majority of, of my leagues uh, he went 12 for 128 and one on the ground this week and then caught four passes as well while Kevin Harris is dealing with his uh, neck back injury. Um, how do you feel about Saquandry Wright, Colin? Yeah, I mean, I like White. Um, I think he's a guy that is benefiting right now from some injuries um, with Marshawn Lloyd still kind of working back, knocking off some rust. Uh, you know, he was a true freshman last year, so this was his first collegiate game. So uh, it's not surprising that they leaned more on white, but, uh, you know, and with he Kevin Harris out too, uh, you know, he was the guy that they fed the ball, but as if he keeps turning in performances like this, it's hard. It's going to be hard for them to turn away from him. And I could see this being a very frustrating three headed committee. Um, if, if white can continue to keep this up, I've been saying three or four headed backfield. 
I think you poo-pooed me on that episode we talked about that, Colin. I'm going to go back and listen to all the episodes we talked about South Carolina in um, to, to confirm that. Um, because I, I believe you 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 did not <laughs> like that uh, that suggestion. Um, I didn't like the three-headed. I, I thought it was going to be you. two. What was that? Okay. All right. Uh, at, which three did, or which two did you think? I thought it was going to be Harrison Lloyd. So I, I gotcha. didn't. Yeah, I was not predicting White to have uh, as big of a day as he did. Yeah, I mean, Harris blindsided me last year. I, I right. liked White and I liked Lloyd, and I thought those would be the two guys. And then Harris came out and, and kind of took that job once Lloyd went down. Um, so White is exacting a little bit of revenge here, it looks like, um, yeah, early on in the season, uh, taking some touches away. Um, the quarterback that I think should be the most sought after on the waiver wire uh, with his low roster ship is Michael Pratt at Tulane had himself quite the day as they uh, as Tulane almost beat Oklahoma um he actually 20 for 30 for 333 yards um sports reference so i they they said he didn't have a touchdown but i think he did i um, thought he did too uh yeah let's see I, i'm going to pull up his game log here real quick did he maybe have one on the ground he did not okay i was to say i could have swore he had one um but either way he's a guy that um our oh. uh, friend of the show, Matthew Bruning, was hyping up. Sports Reference doesn't have Tulane scoring any touchdowns yesterday or two days ago, uh, despite the fact that they scored five. So uh, he had a couple of passing touchdowns as well. Looked really good. Very nice decision making on the day. Looked mobile. Um, dealt with a, a team that is that is better than him. They beat him up pretty good, and he just kept popping back up. You love to see that. Um, you know, Felix, I think, uh, you know, one of our guys here at CampusCanton.com uh, was probably right on Pratt. I think you should you should go get him. He will be uh, Felix's Michael Penix for the next several years now. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, like you said, Felix was on him. Matt Bruning was on him as well. Um, he's a guy that uh, other people at the site have been hyping up that we have not been. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that we were intrigued by. But I think after that performance against what is – probably the best defense he's going to play all year. Um, I know Matt said Cincinnati might be better, but I think Oklahoma has a very good defense as well. Um, so arguably the best defense he'll play all year. And he put up that kind of a performance. Yeah. Um, I'm all over uh, Pratt as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I think my biggest uh, RB pickup for the week here, um, because I think he was going to go just enough under the radar, depending on who the makeup of the, the managers in your league is Isaiah Bowser, the running back at UCF. Uh, I'm heavily, heavily targeting him on waiver wires this week, 6% rostered on fan tracks. He, I, I think that Gus Malzahn has found his bell cow there is what it looks like to me. You know, he went 33 carries for 172 yards and a touchdown against uh, Boise in their win this week. The next highest running back on the roster was Johnny Richardson, who got three touches. So 33 to three. Um, you got to like that, that market share there for Bowser. He's a, a senior. He transferred in from Northwestern this offseason. Uh, he's 6'1", 225, so he has the size. He looked sharp this weekend from the, the clips that I saw. Um, I, I don't know, Colin, do you have any thoughts on Bowser? Plus, he's got a badass Mario name. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, I I haven't watched that game yet, so I can't really speak to what, um, you know, how he looked. But just, I mean, box score there, yeah. I mean, that's an impressive, uh, impressive performance from a guy that I did not have in, have really on my radar. Uh, I thought it was going to be Mark Anthony Richards. 
um, if anybody led that backfield, but I thought it was going to be mostly a split, but he dominated the touches. He had a really nice day and we know Gus Malzahn likes to run the ball. So yeah, that could, that could definitely be an intriguing pickup there as well. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I just, I, I think he goes under the radar enough to, um, uh, to maybe be worth more of a shot to pick up off waivers than maybe Kenneth Walker would be, for instance, uh, depending on what you think of Walker's pro prospects. Um, Zachary Franklin, the highest rostered guy here. We're going to talk about. Is that about how you tonight. say that? I think I was, so. I think it's I just, just a weird spelling. Zachary. I don't know. Uh, either way, Z A K H R I for the folks at home. Interesting. Um, UTSA Kai um, had the whole that whole offense looked really good. They beat um, um, Illinois uh, and looked good doing it. Ten for one fifty five and one for Mister Franklin. Uh, not necessarily a surprise. We figured he would probably be their leading receiver there. But if he's going to get the volume that he got, you know, 10, 10 receptions, then I think that's that's a guy that you really keep your eyes on. Um, he's got decent size too. He's six one one eighty five. I thought he was a little smaller than that. Um, so that actually surprises me a little bit. Um, so I think of all the wide receivers out there, if he's if he's on your waiver wire, and again, that's probably a 50-50 proposition at best for you, um, I, I would be targeting him pretty heavily. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He's a guy that I wrote up um, for the Conference USA uh, West, I believe, um, show or uh, article for the site. And he's a guy that um, I liked... I liked a lot more than I thought I would. It wasn't really on my radar before writing that up, but uh, he had a very significant market share uh, as a freshman and as a sophomore volume was my big concern. But if he can just be the guy there, like he was um, this, this weekend, I think that he is a guy who could provide some really nice value for you. Yeah. Um, two running backs here, uh, two that we've talked about recently is guys that kind of won or won or, or were getting higher up on depth charts late into preseason. The first one, Tavion Thomas at Utah, uh, 2% roster on fan track. So he's in Zaquandre Wright territory there. Uh, 12 for 107 and two. He did not start at full disclosure. Micah Bernard started, but that game, uh, Utah won pretty handily against uh, Weber State, but that game was relatively close score-wise until about midway through the third quarter, if I remember correctly. So I, I turned on that game for a little bit uh, late on Saturday night. So, um, so he he was still getting touches, you know, while the game was 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 in hand or, or going on. You know, the game wasn't in hand yet. Um, Utah likes to find one guy, or you know, a, you know as much as they can. I think Thomas can get to that role by the time the season is really moving here. So I think at at very least, he should be on your watch list. Um, and you should definitely be keeping an eye on him over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy to if you have an, a guy that you're not overly attached to, you know, you follow the, the patented Colin Decker strategy where you drafted, uh, you know, six Mississippi State quarterbacks looking for Will Rogers' type of performance that he put up this weekend and you have a guy that you can drop uh tavian thomas is absolutely a guy that i would be picking up um he's a guy snagged in the very last my very last pick in the um league that we're in with uh, some of the nbc sports edge guys and, and some of those other guys like that um in, in the the 1c2c league and i started him this week uh he had a big big week big game um 
I, I figured he would against Weber State, but that's the type of performance that, like you said, Utah likes to find one guy and kind of stick with them. And that's the type of performance that may lead him to start next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so keep an eye out there. And the last guy here, not only did we mention him last week on the podcast or two weeks ago, maybe as a guy that you should be picking up in your leagues, but we also I also said that he was a, a start on the tailgate this week. Brandon Thomas, the redshirt freshman running back at Memphis. Uh, you know, all signs pointed to him winning that job, and that was confirmed when he went 16 for 147 and one in their game, was the starter, got the majority of the carries. Looked pretty good. I mean, I'm still trying to find the full Memphis game to go back and probably try to watch at some point in the next day or two just to give like a full breakdown on him. But I saw some clips of him running and he looks, you know, relatively dynamic. I, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be a first or second round pick or anything in a couple of years, but I think he is a must roster. He should be rostered in every single league, no matter the, sh- the shallowness, because I think he is a weekly starter in an offense that has traditionally been very kind to running backs. And he is 2% on fan tracks as well, or no, 10% on fan tracks. Sorry. So still very lowly uh, rostered. Yeah. Guy, another guy's kind of criminally under uh, undervalued right now, um, under rostered. But like you said, Memphis produces great fantasy um, situations for running backs. So as long as he's the guy there, he's definitely a guy I'm interested in. All right, Colin, let's go into this segment. We're only going to do this for the first couple of weeks until we have some more of a sample size. But, um, you know, real or imagined is what we're calling this. And basically, I'm going to toss out a player here, Colin, and then we're going to discuss whether their production or target share or, you know, snap share, whatever, um, you know, good or bad is for real or not. Um, so let's let's do that. We're going to try to talk about guys that we have not mentioned much yet. So, you know, Eric Gray is concerning, for instance, but we are not going to talk about him yet um so at quarterback the big name that i that i you know was a little surprised by her his performance this weekend was tanner mordecai quarterback at smu um you know his his first start there for them and he put up like 40 something fantasy points on all of my benches that i have him (laughs) um 20 for 30 or no sorry that's michael pratt come on mr mordecai (laughs) Um, 24 for 30, 317 and seven. Perfect. Yes. He had just a ton of touchdowns. He really spread the ball around too, which I thought was interesting. Obviously the seven touchdowns probably not going to happen every week, but um, is his performance real or, or kind of imagined here? I mean, it is against Abilene Christian. Um, so, you know, take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but uh, he's a guy that I've been hyping up all off season too. You know, I thought, I thought he was going to have a really nice year this year. Uh, I like Preston stone, but the fact that Tanner Mordecai, I, I was pretty confident Tanner Mordecai would win that job here. Um, he has a plethora of options to throw the ball to, like you said, he really spread it around, which was interesting, but it was nice to see as well. Um, I think that obviously seven touchdowns unrepeatable, but you know, 300 yards passing and and three to four touchdowns on a weekly basis is definitely, definitely within his range of outcomes. Yeah. I mean, we like that offense. It's not a overly defensive, um, you know, conference overall there. And as long as he wards off Preston stone, you know, if he plays like that, you can't bench him. There's no way in hell. doesn't matter if Preston stone looks like Peyton Manning in practice. You can't bench a guy (laughs) that does that. Um, So I'm going to say that it's real. Obviously, Again, we're not saying the seven touchdowns is real, but the 
you know, the spreading the ball around, the looking calm back there in the pocket, the the, the high completion percentage, um, you know, working the ball downfield. I think those are all things um, that that we think can can possibly stick there. And if he's a free agent in your league, I think you have to go get him because um, people were so fixated on Stone this offseason. Um, second guy here, uh, definitely a little bit of a deeper name, but I, I really liked him for um, for his fantasy uh, potential this year, and he delivered week one. Uh, that is Chris Reynolds, the quarterback at Charlotte. Um, had himself a really nice, nice week this week against Duke. Um Again, if this would load, sports reference is not being my friend today. Um, 19 for 30 for 324 yards and three touchdowns. Also had 37 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground. Um, they have the cupcake of cupcake schedules this year. I think this is real just based solely on that. Colin, what do you think about Chris Reynolds? Yeah, I think Chris Reynolds' performance is real as well. Um, you know, there wasn't anything that stood out to me as being unrepeatable there. 324, three touchdowns in the realm of possibility. Uh, maybe he doesn't get 10 carries every week, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm reading it off of uh, sports reference as well, and they don't really separate out sacks and stuff, so that could be a role in, in there as well. But um, 37 yards rushing, touchdown on the ground as well. Um, yeah, big performance from him. I think that's something that could be real moving forward as well. And he's a guy that uh, very little buzz about him. And and Duke, like I, Duke is legitimately one of the best teams that they play all season. It's actually crazy. Let me pull up their schedule here really quick just to give you an idea. So they play Gardner-Webb this week. And then here's their, their remaining schedule. Georgia State, Middle Tennessee, Illinois, FIU, Florida Atlantic, Western Kentucky, Rice, LA Tech, Marshall, and Old Dominion. They don't, Man. you can't make a cupcake that soft. It would disintegrate <laughs> in your hands. That is beyond a cupcake schedule. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I really, really like him. I have him. I think he might be my most rostered quarterback. Him, he's like first or second. So I, I, I started him in a couple places last week, and I think that he's probably going to be a weekly start for me moving forward. The last name here, I think this was going to be the one that people might want to hear the most about. <laughs> Will Levis at Kentucky, you know, transferred in from Penn State because he could not take that job from a terrible Sean Clifford last year. They tried to give it to him. He wouldn't take it. Um, transferred to Kentucky, won that starting job, whatever you think of that. Um, this weekend, 18 for 26 for 367 yards four touchdowns to interception and this Kentucky team that I think is going to be really good this year rolled. What is it was Will Levis's performance real or is it imagined? Um, I will be very interested to see this moving forward. I think that passing performance is imagined. Um, I, I don't, nothing that I have seen at, at this point in Will Levis's career has made me think that he could throw for 69% completion percentage, 367 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, that just was not even in the range of outcomes for what I thought would happen. Um, clearly wrong on that front. Uh, I'll own that, but I don't know if that's something we see moving forward. I still think he'll probably struggle when he gets into some of these uh, SEC defenses. 
Um, I believe they get Missouri this week, who is not like a, a top-notch SEC defense, but uh, that'll be a little bit more interesting to see. I think the most surprising thing for me, though, for his performance and is the lack of rushing production. It, that's all he did at Penn State. Um, and he had four carries, negative six yards, so like all sacks. Um, you know, I, I did not watch this game. This was not one of the ones that I watched. But I will definitely have to go back and see his performance for myself to believe it. Yeah, I mean, he had a, he had a couple. He had a really nice deep throw. Um, uh, you know, hit the receiver right in stride. You know, fifty-ish yards downfield. Um, so yes, I, I'm going to say I'm. They played Louisiana Monroe. I'm going to say that it's imagined. You know, I do yeah. think that you should definitely be paying attention to him, and I don't think I would take the risk if he's sitting on my waiver wire of not picking him up. Right. But I wouldn't, you know, he's not a pick up and put in my starter type type guy. Uh, I just don't think he's he's there um, yet. Let's give him a few more games against maybe uh, some more difficult competition because uh, everybody there had a big game on Saturday. At running back, Colin, a couple of names here to talk about. Um, let's talk about the guy that we actually mentioned earlier in, in our waiver wire pickups. You know, I said that I really like him, Isaiah Bowser. That 33 for 172 and one against Boise, not, not a pushover team. Um, is that that is that market share that of the backfield? 33 touches, and the next thing that closest guy had three. We think, and that's moderately sustainable. Moderately, yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll he'll get. 30 more carries than the next most running back on that roster um, in any given week. Uh, but I think, you know, if he handles 80% of the running back touches, I definitely think that's in the, in the realm of, of possibility there. So I lean more towards this one being real as well. Um, I think this one's real. I think Malzahn found his, found his guy. I think he's going to lean on him. Um, I thought it'd be more of a committee, but no, I, 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 pushing all in on Bowser. Uh, these C2C leagues are so tough sometimes. You know, you'll spend a ton of fob or whatever on a on a guy and then it's like their one game that they did something I <laughs> fucking Ricky White. Um but but so there there's always that risk guys, but I I think Bowser is about as sure of at least from a volume perspective as you can possibly get. And that's a good thing. The other guy that I put down here is Jaquavius Marks, Colin. I think this is a really intriguing one because another guy that that dominated the backfield touches more than I thought he would. You know, it's him and Dylan Johnson. Uh, Marks had 12 carries, 71 yards, nine catches, 27 yards, and then three touchdowns. You know, Dylan Johnson had two carries and three receptions. So significantly out-touched uh, this, the other back there that we thought that'd be closer to 50-50. Um, and, and Marks had himself quite a day. Is that split of that backfield real? Um. That one I'm a little bit more cautious about. Um, like you said, it's it, it was a backfield that we expected to be split a little bit more. Um, I really always expected Marks to get a significant share of the passing game work at the running back position, and Will Rogers loves to check the ball down. So I expected that type of production. The 12 carries, um, this offense was the had the least amount of uh, rushing attempts last year. Um, you know, so very low volume offense, uh, which makes me hesitant that the 12 carries from him could be repeatable on a weekly basis. 
Um, I think the eight to 10 range is probably a little bit more likely because I do think Dylan Johnson is still going to be a factor. I mean, they came, they, that game was close though. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I mean, maybe that helps as well, but they came back too. Did they not? I'm pretty sure they were down yeah. and they came back. Um, so yeah, Mark's I am, I am skeptical on the market share. I was never, I mean, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes, but especially the 12 for 71 and two on the ground. I I'm thinking that he, that might be the, the best output for him on the ground that we see all season. Um, all right. Two wide receivers here, Colin, both, uh, intriguing. I'm interested to hear what you say on them. The first one is Danny gray wide receiver at SMU. Um, he had more targets than any other receiver on SMU, including uh, Rasheed Rice, uh, including Reggie Roberson, including Grant Calcaterra. He out-targeted them all. Now, granted, it was only five, but still you know, had the most and had himself a, uh, a pretty good fantasy day as well there. I believe he had two touchdowns through the air. Um, are we buying that Danny Gray and not Reggie Roberson? Yeah, 472 and two can lead SMU in targets this year, which makes him very intriguing from a fantasy perspective. Um, no, I don't think he's going to maintain that market share. I think that level of production is definitely possible on a, on a week to week basis. I think this is going to be a pretty high volume passing attack uh, most of the year. Um, but I think that Reggie Roberson and Rasheed Rice will um, pull back to probably leading the the team in uh, in in in, in, in like targets there. Um, probably Roberson, assuming health. But so I'm I'm leaning a little bit towards Mirage on this one. But that being said, Danny Gray is still a guy that I'm interested in. Um, if he's available, I... which I doubt. <laughs> okay. I was just if he's available, which I doubt, he's a guy that I would go pick up. I'm I will buy it. I will buy it. It's a new quarterback. And you know, Bushelli liked Roberson a lot, but I think Roberson, we'd be lying if we said that there probably is not some effect from uh two straight injuries that he's suffered uh, over the past couple of years. Um, gray is extremely explosive in his own right. You know, he's the old, you know, he makes, he makes fast people look not fast from, uh, from longest yard. I mean, gray, gray is a very, very explosive kid. Um, so I'm going to say yes, that, that, that he leads SMU in targets in 2021. That could be a hot take, but we will see. I'm going to, I'm going to plant that flag today. The other one here that I think is really uh we're gonna have some discussion on is xavier worthy the freshman wide receiver at texas we talked about him a lot um or, or at least multiple times you know in my I, i've boldly predicting that he is a, a a third round pick or better in startups next offseason um so obviously i expect him to do something this year he played 62 of 72 snaps Tied with Joshua Moore for the team lead and wide receiver snap. Shout out to PJ, um, the uh, part of the crew here at campusdecanton.com, uh, who put out a really nice Twitter uh, thread about that earlier today. That's that's a lot of snaps for him. That's more. I thought they would ease him in a little bit. Is that level of you know he only had one catch, but but just that many snaps. 
are we buying that he can play that many snaps throughout the year? Um, yeah, first, uh, definitely. Thanks for, uh, PJ for, for putting that out. Um, if you're not following PJ at master PJ, uh, definitely a good follow there. Um, but yeah, I think that that is going to be largely sustainable. Um, I think he's going, he's earned himself a significant portion of that offense. Uh, I don't think Amiri coming back affects him probably at all. Uh, they're very different receivers. So, I think that this is something that we can predict moving forward. And I think that you're going to see some big weeks from him just because he can take any, you know, pretty much anyone to the house. Um, he also was working special teams too, correct? Yeah. He had a, a nice kick return, I believe. Um, yes. Yeah. So the, the staff clearly likes him. They like the ball in his hands. Um, I think this is real. I, I did not expect this quick, but I mean, who's going to play over him? I mean, I guess the, the question could be uh, Omir was out this week, uh, a guy that would probably contend uh, for snaps uh, with him. But then beyond Omir, like, is there anybody else? I, I can't think of anybody on that team that, that would be fighting with him there. So um, I think 62 to 72 is probably slightly high, but I, st I think he'll still be, be seeing a significant amount uh, as the year goes on. So um, I guess somewhere in the middle, but closer to real uh, than the opposite side. Um, all right, Colin, the final bit here on the show tonight, uh, one that I think everyone's really going to enjoy. Uh, our start sits, and like I said at the beginning of the show, we are turning this into a competition where each week we have 10 starts and 10 sits each. We do not tell each other the 10 before we start here. So not so neither of us know. It's okay if we have some overlapping names. Um, you know, if one guy says a name, the other guy can still say it. Um, <laughs> it'll it'll save us some discussion time if we both have it. So uh, you know, maybe fingers crossed that. <laughs> That we share a couple. Well, um, there was one guy that I told you I, I before my you know lack of reading um, comprehension skills. There, there was one guy that I said I think we would have shared. Um, I'm going to leave my list as is. Okay, but I'll let you know when you say him, uh, and I'll say that that was a guy that I was also very very strongly considering. Okay, because okay. I'm like 85 90 percent confident he'll be on your list on a start on the start side or the sit side. You'll see. Okay. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's go with our starts here. And I actually put mine in order from 10 to one Now you did not have to do this part. Colin. I this did was not just for my own, like amusement as I was doing okay. this um, in terms of, you know, I think like, you know, in terms of the hotness of the take and just how strongly I feel about it, I kind of combined those into a, a, a list, but you should start all of these guys. So number 10, Wandale Robinson, wide receiver slash running back at, at, um, at Kentucky, you know, he was not startable a lot of the time at Nebraska. And I was a little worried that maybe that would be the case again at Kentucky. Um, Levis made him, you know, was able to get the ball to him in week one, which I think is nice. It looks like they had pretty solid chemistry. It looks like the offensive coordinator there knows how to use him. Um, week one, they play Mizzou this week. Wait, is that correct? Yeah, they play Mizzou. Mm -hmm. um, I think, is that correct? Now I'm like, completely doubting this yeah um, no they get mizzou they do okay last week mizzou on defense allowed 86 plays to be run 86 86 plays wandale saw seven targets week one he had two touchdowns 
if Kentucky's, you know, they're not high high pace, but they're going to see an uptick and and plays run this week. So I think Wandell Robinson is a must start this week against Missouri. Yeah, I like that one. Um, my first one here, um, I did not go in order, um, but my first one here is Tanner Mordecai. Um, after a big week like that last week, um, granted it was against Abilene Christian, but North Texas is not uh, a good defense either. Um, they were, they're a pretty poor defense last year. They allow a lot of volume. Um, I don't think Tanner Mordecai throws for 10 or seven touchdowns again, but you know, if he throws for 350 to 405, it would not shock me at all. I think he's going to have another big day and he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to start week in, week out moving forward. Yeah. All right. Number nine for me, the Arizona state running backs. I included them both just as a package here because it looks like this is going to be an extremely run heavy offense this year for Arizona state in the opener. They went at 40 carries for 220 yards. UNLV is a bad team. I think that uh, ASU will be looking to run early and often. And I think both Rashad white and Diamante Trianum are startable and should be started this week uh, against UNLV. Yeah. I like that call there too. Um, my, Next one here is Jashon Corbin, a guy I've been hyping up all offseason here. Uh, ran for 144 yards against uh, a very good Notre Dame defense. Uh, this week, he gets Jacksonville State uh, FCS team. Um, he is... Who got blown out by UAB last week, which is <laughs> yes. important to know. <laughs> yes, they got blown out by UAB. Uh, I think he's going to just run roughshod all over them. Uh, and my only concern with him is that they blow him out and then they turn it to one of the other running backs. But I think it's very possible that he hits 144 yards and a touchdown or two again before they do that. A, a fun 15-second story on Deshaun Corbin. Last night in one of my leagues, I was down by roughly 15 to 16 points. Um, I only had Deshaun Corbin. Literally right before kickoff, my opponent said, oh, man, I really hope that Notre Dame bottles up Deshaun Corbin. The group was in agreement that that could probably happen. And then he broke that first run for a touchdown and literally got me all the points I needed on that run. <laughs> my opponent and I both said, LOL, Deshaun Corbin in the chat at exactly the same time. It was a very cute and tender moment. So, so yes, Deshaun Corbin, great play. Uh, number eight for me, Ja'Cory Roberson. You know, probably seems like a slightly obvious name, but I felt like I should include him here, and here is why. I, uh, managers are probably bummed about his output in week one. Uh, I believe he had like four for 60 and a touchdown or something. Not the performance that we thought he would have, um, but Wake plays Norfolk State this weekend. Roberson still saw 10 targets, just didn't quite have the production that you would, you would associate with 10 targets. I think he gets close to those targets again. I think over 100 yards and at least one touchdown is on the table for Ja'Cory Roberson. Don't be discouraged by week one. Still put him in your lineup. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, my next guy here is David Bailey, uh, running back for Colorado State. Vanderbilt just gave up 149 yards rushing to East Tennessee State. I think what that's a school. Yeah. You got me Learn, learning something new. Today. <laughs> um, I Vanderbilt's defense was atrocious. Uh, they got run all over and David Bailey is, I think he's going to go buck wild against them here um, for a team that they, they want to run the ball. Um, Steve Adazio wants to feed the guy. And I think David Bailey's going to have a big day. Yeah. Um, number seven for me, CJ Verdell. 
against Ohio State, which probably seems moderately surprising. But OSU was gashed for over 200 yards on the ground last week. Uh, they did not deal with a, the physical rushing style of Minnesota well at all. Enter C.J. Verdell, who is a more physical running back than people want to get him, give him credit for. He got the bulk of the carries last week against Fresno over Travis Dye. I could see Verdell. I think could see people being scared of starting Verdell uh, because of the name on the opposite sideline. Do not be scared. I think unless you just have some crazy great running back options, that CJ Burdell is a startable option this week against the Buckeyes. Yeah, um, that's a bold call, actually. Um, I, I think you're right. People are going to be kind of scared off by him, but yeah. they don't necessarily need to be. No. Um, my next start here is Phil Jerkovich. Uh, UMass is terrible. UMass just gave up 272 yards passing and 39 yards rushing to Kenny Pickett. Uh, I think that Phil Jerkovich, <laughs> Phil Jerkovich and Zay Flowers uh, both smashed last week. I think they're going to be uh, on pace to do it again here. Uh, and wouldn't surprise me if Jerkovich picks up some rush yards against them too. Yeah. Um, my number six, uh, second year running back Harrison Whaley at NIU. You're probably saying who, and I'm saying yes. I've, maybe he should have been in the waiver wire section earlier, but had had a nice 27 for 144 and one on the ground and 861 and one in the air in their upset win over Georgia Tech. And here is why you should pick him up and start him this week. Wyoming gave up 150 yards on the ground last weekend. I think this game will be close. I think there will be plenty of volume for him again as a rusher and a passer. So I think Harrison Whaley is a start. And if you guys are in a spe I think he's available even in extremely deep leagues. Um, I will probably be making a play for him in those. And I will probably, I, I have a league where I have Brandon Thomas at 16 teams, you know, single, like I'll go pick up Whaley and start the two of them together. Um, you know, free, free production, everybody. You're welcome. I like Harrison Whaley a lot too. Um, I, I'm mad. He got sniped for me in the uh, C2C invitational one that we're doing with those NBC sports edge guys and some other folks. Um, cause he's a guy that I was, I was looking at there. Um, my next, uh, start is Mateo Durant, uh, running back for Duke. Uh, he went buck wild last week. Um, he ran 29 carries, 255 yards and three touchdowns, uh, two catches for 47 yards. And he gets in North Carolina a and T this week. Uh, another cupcake game. I think he's going to run all over them as well. He's definitely the focal point of that offense. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's going to smash number five for me, Parker Washington at Penn state. I did not think he was a start last week. I have him in several leagues and I believe I benched him in every single one, but I think he's a go for week two against a ball state defense that gave up 367 yards passing last week. Uh, I think him and Jahan Dotson are both obvious starts on the day. Um, so I think do not be scared of Parker Washington this week. Uh, I hope that I, I like that call. I hope it comes true. Uh, my next guy is Kenneth Walker. The uh, third, I'm not going to go too in depth on it. Cause we talked about him earlier, but uh, you know, he got the bulk of the carries there. I think they're going to feed him again and he gets Youngstown state. Number three, Chris Reynolds and Victor Tucker. We talked Reynolds a little bit earlier as a guy that we were debating whether he was real or not. They play Gardner Webb, as I said earlier this week. You know, Reynolds had 324 and three. Tucker had eight catches for 133 yards. He finds the end zone this week. Uh, Charlotte rolls start 
both Reynolds and Victor Tucker. Uh, my next guy is Lou Nichols, uh, running back Central Michigan. Uh, 19 carries, 135 yards, uh, and a touchdown, four catches for 40 yards as well um, against Missouri. And they get Robert Morris this week, Robert Morris this week, who is not very good. Uh, I believe they're they're at FCS school as well. They're like um, 20 minutes down the road for me. Yeah, a lot of a lot of F and, uh, a lot of FCS schools this week. That's a theme for me here. It's just a tough. Uh, it's it's a soft schedule week this week. So I found a lot more starts than sits. But Lou Nichols is is going to be a huge point of that offense. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of like very obvious starts, and you can notice by you know both of our lists, but mostly mine that I'm just really you know there's no worth in saying he starts Bryce Young. Yeah. You know, like, yes, you start Bryce Young against Mercer. Start Spencer Rattler against West Carolina. Yes. I mean, there are a lot of games like that. So notice that we are trying to avoid those uh, obvious answers for you. Number two, this is the hottest take name on my list, but hear me out. Kendall Milton is startable this week for Georgia. The caveat on this is that you only do it if you have a murky running back situation, which I think some teams, you know, I look across a couple of my rosters and I'm like, what the heck was I doing at running back? (laughs) I don't have a lot of options that I love. And so enter Kendall Milton. Kendall Milton, he's going to get touches. You know, he got several touches last week against Clemson. They play UAB, who we mentioned earlier. They beat Jacksonville State last week, but not a good team. I think Georgia can get up early. I think that they will pull Zamir White in that case. I think Kendall Milton can go for about 85 yards to uh, right around there and a touchdown. So I think in a in leagues that are deep, or I just have a lot of issues at running back, I am starting Kendall Milton this week. Don't do it over like some other obvious plays though, guys. Don't do that and then come back to me and get mad. <laughs> um, my next guy is he's definitely an obvious candidate here, but I just want to reiterate it just based on you you got burned this week by him, I guarantee it. And that's Dustin Crum. Uh 12 for 26 for 89 yards and two picks against Texas AM. It's a great defense. It's the best defense he's going to play all year. Um, you know, you got burned, but he gets VMI this week. I don't even know where that is. I don't even know what that stands for. It's literally the Virginia Military Institute. Is it? You don't know where it is? Yes, it's in Virginia. Well, now I they do. They have a basketball it team. They have a good basketball team. They've had a good basketball team a couple times, I think. Yeah. I didn't know what VMI stood for, but there we go. You learn something new. Um, so, yeah, obvious start here, but it's more just like don't get discouraged from the way that he played last week. These are the matchups that you picked him up for, that you that you spent a fairly significant pick on. Yeah, yeah. Um, my number one start this week, and I am all in if I have any of these guys, it's the Florida running backs. And by oh. Florida running backs, I really mean Malik Davis and Damian Pierce. And here's why. Last week, Malik Davis went 14 for 104 and one. Um, and Pierce went six for 31 and two on the ground and then caught another five passes for 25 yards. Now, Florida plays USF this week, who lost 45 nothing to NC State. 
And in that game, NC State rushed for 40 times for 293 yards and four touchdowns. Both Zonovan Knight, who went 16-163 and one, and Ricky Person, who went 16-105-2, and then another 343 and one uh, in the air, smashed in that matchup. I expect Malik Davis and Damian Pierce both uh, to repeat those performances this week. Um, so if you have a Malik Davis or you have a Damian Pierce, those are guys that maybe you do not always feel comfortable starting. I think you start both comfortably this week against USF. I like that. Um, that's, I think that's a bold one too there. Um, just cause we don't really, we've, we've talked about before. We don't know how that backfield is going to shake out. But you went a little, you went a little bit more bold with yours um, yeah. than than I did with some of mine, so I do feel a little bit bad about that. I'll be mama honest. didn't raise no wimp, <laughs> um, but I my my one here is um, Demontre Tuggle, running back Ohio. Um, yeah, he had a rough game last week. Um, Sixteen carries, sixty five yards, two catches for zero yards. Um, but I know he's not a guy that you're all that high on, but you know, he got 62% of the backfield touches. Um, so he was fairly comfortably in the lead on that one. Uh, and he gets Duquesne this week, just gave up 178 yards rushing against TCU to not Zach Evans. Um, so I, I think Demontre Tuggle is going to bounce back here. This is this is why you drafted Tuggle as well. So, um, all right, Colin, we, we have our 10 each. Can you just go down your list and name your 10 again for everybody so they have them all in one place here? Yeah, I think we missed one somewhere, maybe. Yeah, I think I only have nine names typed down for you, but I'm pretty sure I said 10. One, two, three. Oh, we did. Shit. Yeah. Okay. okay. You still have one left, right? I do, yeah. Wow, I missed number four. Whoops. Okay. Um, number four, <laughs> Nathaniel Dell, wide receiver at Houston. He had a nice week one, seven, 80, and one. They play Rice. I think that Dell is their wide receiver one at Houston. You want the wide receiver one at Houston. You like Rice as a matchup. So Nathaniel Dell, have yourself a day. Um, uh, my last one here is um, Chris Smith running back uh, ULL. Um, he had a decent day against Texas there. 11 carries, 54 yards and a touchdown, four catches, 19 yards. Um, nothing crazy there, but he gets nickels this week. Um, another very, very soft schedule. Um, they do mix up the touches there in that backfield. Amani Bailey got six. Um, and um, Johnson, uh, Montreal Johnson also got six carries. Um, so he got barely more than 50% of those carries. Or no, he got slightly under 50% of those carries. I'm not a math guy. Um, but I think that... Uh, I, I still I still feel very confident starting Chris Smith moving forward. You picked the most vanilla ass list of guys here. I didn't read that this was a competition. I will be better next week. I apologize. Okay. Yeah, you're really making me risk a lot and you're risking nothing here. Uh, all right. So yeah. let's let's just name our 10, Colin, um, just so everybody has them all in one spot and doesn't have to like listen through 30 minutes of that to, to get them all again. Um, Tanner Mordecai, Josh Corbin, David Bailey. Phil Jerkovich, Mateo Durant, Kenneth Walker III, Lou Nichols, Dustin Crum, Demontre Tuggle, Chris Smith. And mine are Wandale Robinson, the Arizona State running backs, Ja'Cory Roberson, C.J. Verdell, Harrison Whaley. That's W-A-Y-L-E-E -E for people that are not familiar with him. Uh, Parker Washington, Nathaniel Dell, 
uh, Chris Reynolds, Victor Tucker, Kendall Milton, and the Florida running backs, specifically Malik Davis and Damian Pierce. Uh, and just a bonus one that does not count for my score. Start Brandon Thomas again. Do it. Fair enough. Thank you. You'll thank me later. I'll give you my bonus because you didn't actually say him. I oh, was very okay. surprised. Uh, okay. But based on the way that you attacked your list, um, I, I, I'm not surprised. Now I'm not surprised that you didn't say him. It was Caleb Ellaby. Ah, I'm actually. Yeah, I mean, that you got burned it, by him this week. And if Sky Moore is hurt, I'm actually like slightly concerned about that offense uh, moving forward. We'll see what happens with him. Um, all right, our sits. I'm really interested to hear what your sits are, Colin, because I feel like you're going to be like the third string running back from Troy <laughs> after we went through this first set. But um, yeah, you go first, Colin. And I, I put mine in, in a 10 to 1 order again, although um, maybe they're not actually in order. But Colin, what, what are your who's your first guy here? Um, yeah, mine are not in 10 to 1 order here either. Um, surprise, surprise. My number one, my first one here is uh, Dwayne McBride um, against Georgia. Very good defense. Dwayne McBride really disappointed last week, burned me in a number of places. Um, and, you know, he didn't even get that many carries, uh, that many more carries than the uh, the next closest back here. I'm trying to pull up exactly what that was, but the split was a little bit closer than what I was anticipating. Um, so I am a little bit concerned here, um, by them. He got, um, he got 12 carries Brown got 14. Yeah. So, okay. That's a, that's a good one. Um, number 10, Preston Hutchinson. I am, I am not starting Preston Hutchinson until further notice. Cause their coach is doing this whole rotating the quarterback bullshit. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. So we talked about Preston Hutchinson a lot this offseason. We and we talked about him pretty highly um, because the guy that they're rotating with him, Ben Bryant, sucks. He was at Cincinnati the last three years and he wasn't good there. I'm shocked that he's even in the discussion to be a part of this job. Preston Hutchinson offers so much more to an offense than Ben Bryant wishes uh, he could run. Um, like, like Hutchinson does. I mean, I, I have no idea what the staff there is doing, um, but until they get their shit together, I am not starting Preston Hutchinson, which hurts because I have him a lot of places. Um, I also have Preston Hutchinson on my list as well um, huh. for all the reasons <laughs> you said there, but also he gets Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is a good defense. They're also going to look to slow the ball down. Um And I don't think it's going to be a very high scoring game there either. So he's another guy that I'm avoiding. All right, number nine, C.J. Stroud. I am not starting C.J. Stroud this week. I know Oregon's defense looked like it was a different unit without Thibodeau. They have not. They've said he's day to day. I have a hard time believing he plays, but you know, stranger things have happened. Stroud, as we mentioned earlier, he looks like he had that really efficient game, but he struggled. You know, he he re, he got very lucky from a statistical output. Um, I, I got bailed out quite a lot by that second half. Oregon is going to speed his decision-making up. They're going to make things a lot more difficult for him than Minnesota did. I know it's at home. I don't care. I am not starting CJ Stroud unless I literally have zero other options. Um, my next guy here is Brock Purdy. Um, uh, Iowa State, obviously. Uh, he's the guy that, you know, some people were probably looking at to start. He's a little, cause he's a bigger name here. Um, but 
you know, he's not a guy that is, is a high volume quarterback there anyway. And Iowa just thrashed uh, Michael Penix. Um, you know, they made him look terrible. Uh, I don't think that Brock Purdy's going to look quite that bad, but it wouldn't surprise me either if if he has just a rough game overall and they just have to keep pounding the ball with Brees Hall like they kind of want to do anyway. Yeah, um, so number eight for me, the Colorado running backs, Ashad Clayton and Jarek Broussard. I am not starting either of them this week against Texas A&M. They both had pretty solid weeks last uh, week one here. Uh, Broussard had 15 for 94 and one, and Clayton had eight for 51 and one. Um, yeah, A&M gave up 45 yards on the ground last week. So, yeah, we're not going to we're not going to play that game this week. I'm not starting either of them. Yeah, I, I agree. I have them on my list as well, actually. Well, I have Jarek Broussard on my list okay. as well. Um, I didn't put Clayton on there, but yeah, I mean, would would go hand in hand with that. Um, everything that you just said there. Spot fun. On. I'm glad that I'm stealing all of yours here. Um, <laughs> now I feel now I feel silly for making fun of your list to start. Um, number, <laughs> number seven, Jair Shorter wide receiver at North Texas, a guy that I was pretty high on coming into the year. His usage this week was shocking. I believe I, I saw uh, courtesy of the CFF site discord that he uh, only had the third most snaps out of the wide receiver group, did not have a, a single uh, recordable stat there. Um, he is on my benches until further notice that zero really stung this week. I have trust issues now. Thank you, Jair. <laughs> um, my next uh, one is the South Carolina running backs. Um, I am not starting any of them, Harris, Lloyd, White, uh, until we get a better idea of what that split is. Um, because they're going to produce, one of them's going to produce. I do not know which one it's going to be with Kevin Harris. He's probably, I don't know if he's going to be back yet, but even if he's not, um, Juju McDowell had 12 carries last week. Um, now it was in a blowout, but still, uh, I'm not starting any of them until I know what that looks like. Um, man, you tell everyone to go pick up Saquandre, right? And then you say, don't start him. That's tough, tough luck there for everybody. Um, you know, I said, start the Arizona state running backs. I am not starting Jaden Daniels this week until Arizona state shows that they want to throw. I can't in good conscience start him. He went 10 for 12 last week. No touchdowns. They play UNLV again. Not a good team. I don't think they're going to need to throw the ball against them. And so unless again, I have just no other options at quarterback. I am not starting Jaden Daniels. Um, my next guy is Brendan Lewis. Um, kind of goes along hand in hand there with Jarek Broussard. Um, but he's a guy that we talked up as somebody that you probably going to want to start, um, you know, on, on a good amount of weeks, just based on his uh, rushing ability that he's going to be able to provide for you. Um, he had a decent week last week. Um, nothing crazy, but you know, if you started him, you likely weren't too disappointed there. Um, but, uh, with going up against Texas A&M, um, just not something that I would be, uh, I'd be comfortable starting. All right. Um, my list starts to get pretty hot here <laughs> just so everybody is aware. Uh, number five, I'm sitting Jermaine Burton again this week against uab last week i said on the tailgate he was my big sit and he went two catches 11 yards against clemson 
it's nothing against him personally. I think that UAB is just going to basically be a speed bump on the truck that is Georgia. Uh, they're just going to run the ball all over them. It would not shock me if they had 40-plus rushing attempts. Uh, they kind of you know relax with, with JT Daniels and some of these guys in the passing game. So I am sitting Jermaine Burton this week. Uh, my next one here is Sam Howell. Uh, I'm going to sit Sam Howell here this week. I think that last week was rough. Um, this isn't necessarily an overreaction to that, but they get Georgia state. I think they're going to be pissed. They're going to come out and I think they're just going to run the ball down their throats. Um, they weren't really able to establish the run very well last week. Um, you know, Ty Chandler was, was okay. Um, 10 carries 66 yards, but I think that they're just going to keep feeding the ball, uh, running all over this Georgia State team. Um, so I am not starting Sam Howell this week. Man, I completely disagree with that one. I'm not going to lie. I, I think he's going to be on a mission. Um, let's see here. Next on my list, uh, this one's probably a little less of a hot take. Jalen Berger, still not healthy. They're not going to rush him back with the other options there. We talked a little bit about him earlier. So I am not starting Jalen Berger. I've heard a lot of stories of people starting him this week. So don't, don't do that twice in a row guys. If you did that accidentally last week. Uh, my next guy here is Eric gray. Um, I thought he was going to have a really big year for college this year, but like we talked about a little bit earlier, that was a bit of a concerning split. Uh, and I, I, I don't feel good about starting him this week um, until we see him earn a bit bigger of a role. Uh, that's a good one. Um, my next one here is Justin Hall, who had a very nice week for Ball State last week. Um, look, they play Penn State. Penn State put the clamps on Wisconsin's offense. I know that that there is a risk here because Ball State will likely be down. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they, they're going to have to throw a lot. I just think Penn State is really going to focus on, on keeping Hall down. He might have you know, like six or seven catches, but for like 48 yards or something, you know, like, like Penn, they, they try to get the ball in his hand in multiple ways and Penn state just kind of, you know, not letting them beat them on any big plays. Um, so I think hall is a guy that maybe, I mean, depending on what my wide receiver group looks like, I, I am considering sitting him this week. Yeah. And, and Penn state is a good secondary as well. Yeah. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they lock him up. I, he, he's a guy I was considering as well. Um, my next sit here is a guy that, I'm sitting this week and I'm honestly probably sitting until further notice. Uh, and that's Ramon Davis. I just Vanderbilt's a dumpster fire right now. Like they just got smoked by East Tennessee. They lost East Tennessee state. They lost by 20 points to them. Uh, they, it was 23 to three. They just, they did not look good at all. And I don't trust Ramon Davis. It's no fault of his own, but I don't know if I trust them to score. They're going to get behind. Probably they're going to have to abandon a run. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sitting Davis. Um, number two, Tyler Goodson. And I think this is a tough one. And again, you know, I guess that there are some instances where maybe you just don't have any other options and you're kind of forced to start a stud for CFF purposes, but he's their entire offense. Iowa State gave up 45 yards on the ground last week. They have a very strong front seven. I, th I think that they're going to be able to contain Goodson for the most part in what should be a very low-scoring affair. Um, so I, I I know it's a tough one, again, because he's generally been a very strong CFF guy, but I, I am, 
I am very hesitant, we'll say, to start Tyler Goodson this week. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that one as well. That's another guy that I was kind of considering. Um, this is my last one, right? My, is my counting off here? Um, I believe so, because I have one more and I went first. Okay, you went first. Okay, good. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Um, not math, guys. Uh, my sit here is Ulysses Bentley. Um, he was a guy that we thought was going to be a big producer this year, but, uh, and, and you know, the game got out of hand pretty quick, but that was still a kind of a concerning backfield split there. Um, he had 10 carries for 48 yards. Um, he only had two catches. Um, and then they also gave, um, transfer running back Trey Siggers a, uh, they gave him 11 carries and he also had two catches. So that was pretty much a dead even split. And if that continues moving forward, you know, he's a lot less reliable of a fantasy option on a week to week basis. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good shout. And I said that, um, that I, he should be a start last week and, and that really hurt, um, from that perspective, my last guy here, man, this is such a tough one. And I think, think people might think I'm stupid for saying this. Um, Traylon Burks. I don't think I want to start him this week. They play Texas. Granted, I don't think Texas has an overwhelmingly great pass defense. They gave up roughly 270 yards through the air last week against UL. Granted, UL was down most of that game, so you have to figure that shifted uh, how that worked out a little bit. Um, but KJ, the combination of that, KJ Jefferson just not being a particularly great passer, although obviously a great rusher, and, and Jefferson had a very nice fantasy week, um, and, and just Burks being a little dinged up still. He was banged up through preseason. He really had a, you know, he had like 40% of their production this week or something. He got me like five fantasy points. I mean, just it, it might be a brutal passing attack this year. Um, so I am not starting Traylon Burks. Like I actually feel I off. actually feel really good about that too. Um, if we were we we're on a pretty similar page here with uh, with our sits, because um, that's another one that I was considering. Okay, so let's just name um, all 10 of ours again. Colin, you go first here. Uh, Dwayne McBride, Brock Purdy, Preston Hutchinson, South Carolina running backs, Jarek Broussard, Brendan Lewis, uh, Sam Howell, Eric Gray, Ramon Davis, Ulysses Bentley. Perfect. And then my 10 here are back up here. Uh, Preston Hutchinson, CJ Stroud, the Colorado running backs, Jair Shorter, Jaden Daniels, Jermaine Burton, Jalen Berger, Justin Hall, Tyler Goodson, and Traylon Burks. All right, so we will keep track of that. We will, uh, at the beginning of that segment uh, each week, we will say what the scoreboard's looking like. And then what sh- what counts as a a win, Colin? Is, is double-digit fantasy points kind of the hinge? Is that what we want to say, like 10 points? I don't know. 10 points honestly feels kind of low. It does. Because like if you if I get 10 points out of a guy, like 15? Uh, for you mean for sits, right? Or for both. Yeah, let yeah, let I mean, maybe they should be different numbers. This yeah. is a good question. Um, should we talk off air about this so we don't bore everybody with uh, yeah. our, our process? Okay, we like will it. we will lay out what qualifies as a, a hit or a miss um, for you guys so that we're all on the same page. And so when I win, there is no complaining that the rules were not clear. Okay. 
All right, guys. So that is going to be our show for tonight. Week one in the books, week two on the way. Really looking forward to it. Um, check out all the other pods uh, here at the site that will get you ready for the week, including Why Wait Till Sunday, which is giving you all your DFS info, the Debbie Debate, uh, Fantasy Football Roundtable. We'll really be getting into full swing once the NFL kicks off on Thursday. Um, just a lot going on. We also will have waiver wire articles, stock up, stock down, um, all sorts of, of that stuff uh, coming out uh, across the week as well. Um, and then, of course, again, Saturday are two late, uh, live shows, tailgate 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. And then coast to coast, which starts after whatever the big primetime game is. Um, last week, it was Georgia Clemson. So um, so be on the lookout for those. Until next time, though, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys.